0: Welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen on this depressingly grey tax day, April fifteenth. It is
1: almost as though the weather is trying to communicate something to us
0: about the nature of this oppressive depressing You mean the dark, oppressive pushing us all downwards failing to illuminate the way sort of weather.
1: Well, I'm saying that it's early afternoon as we record this, and outside it looks like Mordor, and I feel like, you know, Frodo trying to uh, bring the ring in, except, you know, Frodo didn't have a real hard deadline to work with, I mean, you know, they had to get get the ring done before uh, before Sauron's armies did their business, but taxes, you know, are very, very specific. You have to have them in and filed by um, midnight on a certain day. And before we talk about how much we hate them and all the dumb things they pay for and all the possible ways they can improve them, it's maybe a little self-indulgent, but I want to ask you about something um, that's kind of specific to us as uh, people who write and do a lot of commentary and things like that. So I had to refile some taxes recently for the last several years, and uh, over the course of the last four years, I've had more than 100 different uh, what are they W-2 forms that save for your earnings. Uh, which is just sort of the life of, uh, you know, writer, people speak. Now, granted, half the time they're for $50 or they're for $25 or something like that. And a few blessed ones are, are larger than that. But my God, it's uh, I have to this whole file thing now uh, for my taxes. And just finding all that stuff and putting it all together, you know, I, I actually had to hire a lawyer to uh, take care of this stuff for me. Not an accountant, but an actual uh, lawyer. Now, I'm not a, you know, Wall Street guy. I don't own a business I, I didn't even have any capital gains to talk about uh, over the last few years. That seems to me a bit much, you know, it seems to me just a bit much. And it's also, you know, it's a it's a terrible system just from an information technology point of view, uh, because you know any normal sort of thing like that, all these le- records are electronic, but there's no way for you to access them electronically. If I want my tax records from the IRS, I have to call them, wait on the phone for an hour, get them to send me a pile of dead paper and then figure it out. And it's just all kind of awful and ridiculous and terrible. So never mind just the out-of-pocket expense, which is much, much worse for a lot of other people within one mile of where we're sitting than it is for you and me. But in terms of the onerousness of it, of the uh, the cost of compliance, the amount of paperwork, the record keeping, all the rest of this stuff, I got to tell you, I hate it. It makes me want to go to Nevada and join a militia.
0: Well, it's an interesting question, what you've just described because so many people who talk about this have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I noticed when Matt Drudge complained that uh, he was filing his taxes and he complained that he'd had to pay the Obamacare penalty and a whole bunch of people snarked at him. Well, it doesn't come into effect until 2014. You don't pay your taxes till next year. Well, actually, if you work for yourself, you have to pay estimated taxes. So you do. You know, withholding Does save, I think, the federal government from a tax revolt. Uh, If we were to get rid of withholding tomorrow, I'm sure the landscape would change dramatically. But even with a system like withholding in
1: place, do we need to rehearse the story of withholding? By the way, maybe
0: you should explain it. And in fact, who was all right? Exactly. So a
1: lot of conservatives know this, but a lot of people don't. Uh, Withholding was the brainchild of a young economist working in the Roosevelt administration by the name of Milton Friedman. And people for years and years gave Friedman grief about that, saying, look what you did, you know, you're the great libertarian, and you empowered what really probably is the instrument that's contributed more to the growth of the federal government and the Leviathan State than anything else. And Friedman, you know, bless him, I like, I like him a lot, of, a lot of ways, never really backed down on that. He said, you know what, we had to beat Hitler, and uh, we needed the money. Now what's been done with it after that? has been, uh, you know, undesirable, to say the least. Right, because
0: we needed the money to beat Hitler very quickly becomes, we need the money for my pet project. Right. Friedman was always really
1: good about answering his critics, though. One of my favorites was someone was giving him grief about, you know, how can you call yourself a liberal, which he also did when you advised Pinochet? And Friedman said, well, I gave him good advice. (laughs) (laughs) And he would have been better off if he followed more of it. So there's that. So, yeah, Milton Friedman had to do, I think, just a little time in purgatory, uh, you know, for inventing withholding. But I think you're right that if we all had to sit down in the middle of April every year and write a check for our annual taxes, well, first of all, tax collections would fall to 4 or 5% of what they're supposed to be. And people would would revolt. And uh, And, of course, I would endorse that. But as we talked about yesterday, you don't.
0: Well, I think a, a good dose of mass Irish democracy does change the equation a little bit. You know, what we were discussing yesterday, and if you if you didn't hear it, make sure to listen to yesterday's podcast, was the rule of law and whether one can just opt out of it. I do think the equation changes when 70% of the population just decides <laughs> not to follow a law. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that would be a slightly different situation. But no, what I was going to say is that Every year that I've been in the United States now, my taxes have become increasingly complex yes. now, in some regards, that's a good thing because it means that i've what you're describing uh, of various w two forms and uh, various misc ninety nine forms or whatever they are um, you know that's been a good thing for me because I've picked up various little gigs here and there and a TV appearance here and there and so on um, so i'm not I'm not annoyed that they're coming in in and of uh, themselves. Uh, you know, I bought a house, that changes the equation. You buy a car and there are various business expenses and so on and so forth. And again, they are, uh, in a way, the product of a blessed life. I'm not unemployed. I'm not down on my luck, which is great. But it does irritate me when people on the left say, no, you doing your taxes really easy. You know, Why, why are you guys complaining? It's not. No, it's, it's not, not easy everyone, yeah. at all. And And the more you get involved in the economy, I suppose, then the more difficult doing your taxes becomes. And that, in some ways, I think, is, funnily enough, what keeps us from descending even further into the government mire because, you know, the the people who have more money and all the people who run businesses know this because they have a, a wide um, you know a wide array of of tax inputs. Now, if you make three hundred million dollars a year, then you don't care about it or really know about it because you just hire an accountant. But if you run the mom and pop store on the corner, then you really know about the tax rules and you know how difficult they are, right? Yeah. So you know, if anything that it's a little bit like conservatives sort of want the DMV to remain awful so that they can always say you shouldn't let the government run it. It'll be like the DMV. And I think progressive have made a real mistake in not approving the DMV. There's a side of me, much as I bitch, about taxes and the taxes that almost wants it to be so terrible so that we can, you know, spur forward tax reform and try and simplify it.
1: In some ways it's worse than the DMV, though. You know, a couple of years ago I got summoned to the local uh, IRS office here in Manhattan, Up on. It was on 45th Street, something like that. And uh, I didn't think it was possible, but it actually is worse than the DMV. It took forever to uh, to get anything done. I just had to go hand them some papers and a great big check. And uh, it just took forever them to take my money. And I was taking pictures of the office because, you know, there were 200 people probably waiting and there was one person working at a desk, and of course, sixteen people sitting in the back, shooting the bull and drinking coffee. So I took a couple of pictures, which, of course, they threatened to arrest me for doing because you're not allowed to take pictures of the IRS in operation because obviously it's a secret private organization, not a public organization. And so, yeah, it's all it's all pretty horrible. Um, your favored form of, of tax reform, what would it be? Um, you know, mine is a you know is a flat tax that treats all income exactly the same, whether it's inheritances corporate income uh well i would say dividends and and profits i don't want to have double taxation so it probably wouldn't be a corporate income tax as such but whether it's you know personal income whether it's salary whether it's tips whether it's inheritances whether it's you know income from a small business or a passive corporation treat it all exactly the same no deductions no nothing tax everyone at the same rate the problem with that which is also the benefit of it that if you want to keep up the current level of federal spending, that means a flat tax of about 24%, which is a pretty big tax increase on
0: a lot of people. Well, m- my preferred system of taxation is inextricable from my preferred system of government, or mm. at least my preferred uh, arrangement of the American system, which I love very dearly. I would like to see the federal government limited pretty much to the military and nothing else. And therefore, my preferred system would be, at a macro level at least, would be that the federal government maybe is limited to a 5% income tax, maximum income tax rate by a constitutional amendment. Um, and the states are free to do as they please, and there's healthy competition between them. So that, you know, I wouldn't wish to prescribe. I think that would undermine my my point, (laughs) undermine the point of federalism to prescribe to the states what they should do. Um, Obviously, if I lived in a state, I would have a pretty strong idea of how that state should behave as a general rule. I think low tax states are uh, are, are better than, than high tax states and so on and so forth, but I would like to see... The federal government get out of most things. So that's my first answer. Um, As a rule, I think that income taxes are an odd exception to the American taste for privacy. And I wrote a piece about this last year. It's all very well for Americans to criticize the Patriot Act, and I have myself, and to freak out over some of its provisions, you know, the most famous of them, not that it's entirely true, but there is a kernel of truth and it is books. Right. And libraries Business and so records,
1: on. as it's in.
0: Right. It's fine for people to freak out, as I have myself uh, at the NSA and at the collection of metadata. And you can tell a lot from metadata, whatever people on the, the right say. I mean, you know, you, if, if somebody is calling from the Golden Gate Bridge to a uh, counseling service at three in the morning, you might have some idea of what they're doing. That's a pretty personal thing you can discover. So. You know, the, the NSA and metadata is, is, is a, a reasonable objection. And yet, every year, I send to the federal government vast reams of information about my life, where I've earned money, you know, by definition, where I've been. If I'm, if I have business expenses, I send them my plane tickets if they ask
1: for them. Who's living in your household and what kind of relationships you have with them and what your bank accounts sure. are. I think the people, flipped out, the people that flipped out about the Patriot Act, that section is specifically known as the business records section of which could be interpreted mean library books, but it could, could be interpreted mean lots of things. So the federal government can look at your business records under the Patriot Act everyone freaks out. You're required every yeah, year right, to right. find all your business records over the IRS. Mm-hmm. You know the IRS. I used to always say that you know if the uh, if the Department of Homeland Security had half of the investigatory power of the IRS, people would flip out. I don't say that anymore so much because the NSA stuff and you know the the uh, the uh, information sharing among the agencies related to those things. It looks like they may finally have outpaced the IRS, but it's um, sort of moving in the in the wrong direction.
0: So, so just to, just to finish answering your question, okay. then no the reason the reason I bring up that is that in in any ideal situation, I would abolish income taxes completely, because I think they're intrusive, I think the the privacy violations are are vast, Uh, and I also don't really like the idea of the federal government, or even a state government, um, taking money out of my paycheck. It's just Mm. a little too (laughs) raw and close to home. Having said that, what I described as an arrangement for the country is so far away from where we are now, and where we're likely to be, that I accept that you would have to limit probably the income tax rather than a different sort of tax. I mean, one of, one of the popular ideas on the right is always the fair tax. And uh, I, I'm gonna ask you in a second what you think about this, but to me, my interest in the fair tax is, uh, is limited in that unless somebody proposing it starts their sentence with, right, we're going to abolish the 16th Amendment and replace <laughs> it with the fair tax, then I'm listening. But up until that point, I'm not. Because in Britain, we have a 20% VAT mm. and punitive income taxes. Right. And, yeah. and the United States government would end up in that situation very, very quickly. So uh, what do you think of the fair tax?
1: Well, first of all, I hate you, Charlie. Because you know for a fact that I'm not a fan of the fair tax. And you know for a fact that the fair tax adherents are a bunch of cult-like people who have email accounts and like to use them so all right fair tax people go ahead and start sending me the emails uh, the fair tax is sort of fine in in principle i don't object to uh to any of the ideas behind it really i think it's too complicated i think it's too different from our current uh practices to be something that has much of a political future i think that the prebate aspect of it is uh just almost guaranteed to be abused and monkeyed around with for various political purposes. So I'm not a supporter of the fair tax as a pragmatic policy option. I think it would be a lot easier to get to a flat income tax than it would something like the fair tax, and I think that uh, that would probably be better, although I agree with you to the extent what we were saying earlier that, you know, a big part of my objection to the income tax isn't so much money out of pocket, although I do object to that. but yeah, it's an invasion of your privacy, it's an invasion of, of lots of things. But the problem with that is that there's, you know, there's no good alternative, I think, to taxing income. You know, you can have taxes on wealth, which means that you don't really own your wealth. You're just holding it at the substance of the government. You can have property taxes, which means you never own your home. You just rent it from the county and the state for the rest of your life, even after it's paid for. You can have, you know, taxes on transactions and retail and that sort of thing, but that means you're just, you know, you're asking the government's permission to engage in commerce. There's not really a good way around that. And something we talked about a little bit yesterday, and I think maybe we should spend maybe a little more time on, and, uh, oh, remind me, we should talk about Lois Lerner since it's tax day too, but... um, You know, if you have a federal government that's spending what you want it to spend, say 5% of GDP or 3% of GDP, you and I, I think, both would retire from the political business, go do something else, wouldn't care very much about what the tax system, like, well, maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, you're a little more principled than I am. I might just set aside. But when you've got a federal government that's spending what it's spending right now, And not just the federal government, but other levels of government too. You know something conservatives often fail to appreciate is that combined federal, state, and local spending in the United States about the same as it is in Canada. You know we're not really a small government country. We're a country with a large deficit because our spending is so out of whack compared with our taxes. Um, Right. Please, please IRS, let's let's lower spending rather than uh, lower taxes. It's a low tax country. Yeah, it's 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 a low tax country, especially compared with the UK or you know most of Western Europe and all that. So if you can get the government wound down until it's just doing the things that we really want it to do, national defense, border security, I'm okay with the park service, fine, keep Yellowstone, that kind of stuff, but when it's, you know, Harry reading his cowboy poetry festival and telling me, you know, what I can and can't do with my cattle because of one particular subpopulation of desert well, tortoises and, on, and all that stuff. hang on, I'm telling you
0: what you can and can't do with your retirement health care and retirement pension. Yes. This, this is just to yeah. digress for a moment. There was a piece today in the New Republic by Jonathan Cohn, who's one of the great Obamacare champions, mm-hmm. and his argument was essentially that taxes should be raised, that America would be a much better country and a much better civilization if tax rates were raised, Mm. and that although he understood that this wouldn't be very popular, he felt he should say it. Now, full marks to him for having the courage of his convictions and writing that on April 15th. I hope he has security guards. (laughs) But, you know, the, the basic argument was that you get a very good deal through Social Security and Medicare for your tax dollars. Now, regardless of whether that's true and I'd, I'd love you to to tell me whether it is well just mathematically
1: it's impossible for it to be true for everybody
0: right of course it is of course it is but but, but before we get on to the, the sort of truth value or, and, and I'm sure we could debate that all day and if we invited people from the left and right they would all have different views on it but my objection is well okay thank you for telling me that Jonathan and it's nice that you think that but what if I don't you know the, the drivers of the debt and, and federal spending outside of the military are Social Security and Medicare. I mean, there's very little debate about that fact. And they are not voluntary. So, you know, what w- what do you do about that?
1: You know, on this again, I think just part of the great, you know, evidence for your case for federalism, which is, you know, I don't want the federal government doing lots of things. I also don't want state and local governments doing lots of things. But I'm much, much more inclined to let them do things than I am the federal government. So if Vermont wants to run a single payer health care system, but California doesn't, and Texas sure as hell doesn't, and Utah doesn't, that's fine. You know, you move from one state to the other. People do that all the time. That's why so many people are leaving California and going to places like Texas. You know, I think that, um, it's good to uh, to allow the states and localities to experiment with different sorts of things. And even though they'll sometimes produce disastrous consequences, you know, the example I always like to give is the Philadelphia city income tax. And, you know, it's one of the few cities that has one. And You ask people on the city council there about it and say, well, New York has a city income tax. You know, I say, I love Philly, but... <laughs> It ain't New York. And, uh, you know, there are people who sort of have to be in New York for various business purposes. And New York gets away with having a city income tax. No one really has to be in Philadelphia. It'd be like Lubbock, Texas, you know, introducing a city income tax. Uh, Just, you know, it's not a very good idea. So, but you look at the situation there, and people moved out of the city. They moved to the suburbs. It wasn't just the taxes, but taxes were part of it. And, you know, people will move across state lines. You know, they'll go from places like New Mexico to Texas. Or they'll go from places like Mississippi to Alabama, depending on what the uh, the business environment looks like from where they are. And that's good. But when you have this, you know, one-size-fits-all right. federal version of it, it's impossible. So, you know, you and I, don't think, even though we think probably California is a badly governed state and a state that we wish were better governed so we could move there. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not going to fight California's... Uh, enforcing its own preferences the same way we would at the federal level simply because you know you can move out of california you can move to arizona you can move to nevada well i'm not feeling too good about moving to nevada anymore but um you know you can do that but you know are i mean you have a choice you could always go back to the uk of course but uh, you know what am i going to do uh wait for texas to secede again you know maybe something like that uh you know immigration is a big issue when you're talking about leaving your country, but it's not such a big issue when you're talking about a state to state.
0: Yeah. uh, Obviously, the progressive era was was disastrous for limited government and for the Constitution. But I think, in fairness, many of the backers of the 16th Amendment didn't realize what it would do in practice. And what it did in practice, especially when combined, and they couldn't foresee this, I suppose, with the Wickard versus Filburn decision that expanded the Commerce Clause in the Constitution beyond all reason. Made a cosmic principle out of it. Uh, yeah. What it did was to give wings to the federal government when before they didn't, it didn't have them. Yeah. And so suddenly all of these plans that it would have liked to have made are feasible because it can just take money directly. And so we've ended up in a situation where you know, you're right when you say that America spends a lot and spends as much as Canada when everything is combined. But really, cowboy poetry, as offensive as it is, to one side, there are only three major sources in this country of spending. And those are retirement, so pensions of a sort, healthcare uh, health and, and guns, and, uh, guns and, and bombs right and and guns and bombs now the federal government has a disproportionate role in that process that right. is a nationalized insurance model with medicare and social security and i suppose my question a difficult question for conservatives and libertarians to answer especially given how popular those programs are is all right you know all right charlie you talk a good game about federalism what are you going to do about Social Security and Medicare?
1: Well, I think, again, from a federal point of view, you can kick all those programs down to the states tomorrow if you want to. You can privatize Social Security fairly easily. Yeah. I mean, not politically easily, but from a, from a real economic point of view. If you want to have health care programs for the indigent, which, okay, fine. I'm not against that in principle. Uh, if you want to have a social insurance policy for people who are elderly, you know, I don't think it's a great idea, but uh, okay, fine. Uh, there's no reason you have to do it at the national level, whereas national defense pretty much is national, you know, by uh, by uh, by definition. Now, I was talking earlier about the difficulty of leaving the country, if I have to, for some, you know, better governed place with a friendlier economic environment, which brings me to the question of Lois Lerner. Should we exile her? Should we tar and feather her? Uh, should we send her to prison for the rest of her
0: life, or what? I think she belongs in prison. Yeah, I think so, too. Exiling is... Underrated, I think. I'm not sure. This smacks of Australian transportation to me. Mm. And where would you exile her to?
1: Well, gosh. uh, I think Russia, actually. So she's what a flat tax looks like. Which would be awesome. You know, she could learn a little something about that there. You know, seize all her assets, buy her a one-way ticket to wherever, and uh, kick her out of the country. For those of you who've been living under a rock... Lois Lerner was the head of the IRS division that dealt with tax exempt organizations who seems to have been behind the IRS plot to target, harass, audit, intimidate, and otherwise disadvantage conservative groups just before the 2012 election. Uh, She is not the only malefactor here at the IRS, of course. Uh, We had, you know, a number of senators and members of Congress writing them letters saying, hey, we have to go after these groups. We had IRS officers at offices across the country, not just the one in Washington and uh, whatever the one, was it in Cincinnati or Cleveland yeah, where they originally said that this was Cincinnati. a local problem, who were, you know, making taxpayers like chant Obama and yelling about how the Republican Party's going to set women back 40 years, and they are saying, great guy, I just want to pay my taxes. So this is an out-of-control organization. She's been pushed to the side maybe may prosecuted, at least for contempt of Congress, but doesn't stop there. And, and the problem is, you know, what are you going to do with people like Elijah Cummings, who... I don't know if he broke the law uh, in pressing the IRS to do this stuff, but he was certainly suborning action from them that turned out to be action that was illegal, whether he intended it that way or not. I think this guy needs to be you know, called to account for
0: it. Right, and I think we need to put the IRS into context here: is that The government is force. That's what government is. Now, some of that force is legitimate. When the government is punishing or trying to prevent murder and rape, that's one thing. When the government is defending the borders and fighting uh, enemies of the state, that is one thing. But when government is making arbitrary little rules and annoying the citizenry, then it really does become uh, a different matter. And the question has to be: Really, do you wish to use this this organised violence in order to organise a cowboy poetry competition? And, Are you and willing pay to dispatch
1: it? a tank? to right. pay for your cowboy poetry festival.
0: And, and so this is sort of, if, if you take that as the basic philosophy that the libertarian adheres to, um, you know, there are a few things that governments can do and should do, but beyond that, it's a little bit suspect. Now, of the things that government does, um, tax collection is one of the most sensitive. And as I was saying earlier, the IRS has a... Has a, a the scope to intrude on privacy in a way that the majority of government organizations and government agencies do not. So we're talking about not just organized force, but we're talking about a particularly insidious form, an intrusive form of organized force. In other words, the IRS has to be incredibly careful as to how it behaves, and any minor violation should be treated with disdain. Fast forward to 2011, 12, 10, 11, 12, and to find out that the IRS has been targeting certain citizens is not just a scandal, but is the scandal. When you look back to to Richard Nixon, one of the reasons that Nixon was regarded as such a venal character was that he tried to use the IRS to target his political enemies. and, and, And people quite rightly recognize that that was one of the worst things that you could do as a government. Lois Lerner is at the center of this storm, so she belongs in prison.
1: They should be stripped of their government pensions, they should be fined into penury, and they should be put into prison. I think you're absolutely right. And speaking of going to prison, so personal question, are you caught up on your taxes yet for this year? Have you filed on time?
0: Sure, I'm I'm extremely conscientious in this area, I'm an immigrant, which I think imbues me with a certain respect for paperwork and the rules anyhow, because I had to go through the process, and also I don't want to be kicked out of the country for making a mistake, so I tell you what, you're office is particularly messy mine is not much better but my tax documents going back to the moment that I first set foot in the country are meticulous <laughs> I've scanned every single one I've backed every single one of them up I have physical folders I write letters to the IRS when I file amended tax returns because a form has come in late or because I've made a mistake I'm uh, I'm a little goody two-shoes on this question I must confess now what about uh,
1: you Wasn't someone talking about how we tend to end abruptly?